Hi, welcome to Ace Chats with me, Charlotte. And me, Anna. And today we are going to talk things, well, a bit about the history and the now of exercise, nutrition, health, how it kind of came about. Yeah, and how different generations see nutrition and health and um, all things exercise. We were just having a chat and we've got a whole list of uh, podcasts to to, uh, record and we were thinking, hmm, let's think about a podcast that actually, you know, we'd like to listen to, that we'd find interesting researching, which we really have. So um, we're hoping this flows nicely. It should do. Um, But please forgive us if we delve into topics um, that are also new for us because, you know, we did a little bit of research. We were just wondering at what point vitamins, you know, well, we were looking back into, um, you know, when did nutrition or science when did people start properly researching nutrition yeah it's really Um, interesting and what's interesting is nutrition has been researched for hundreds of years but only in the 1920s 1930s did they discover vitamins um, and the kind of vitamins that would help cure certain diseases for example scurvy which 200 years before, you know, was uh, a disease that sailors used to get on ships. And there was a sailor who used to treat scurvy with lemons, but they never knew that it was the vitamin C that would help treat them. Yeah, They just found that lemons was something that worked. Um, But it took another 200 years for them to work out that actually it was the vitamin C in the lemons that was um, helping them. Amazing, isn't it? Uh, which is really quite new because, you know, that's the 1930s. Our grandparents were already alive. Yeah, it's interesting. I mean, I think let's let's start off with nutrition. I think we should, um, you know, it's interesting to look at it through the generations. Um, you know, to begin with our grandparents, you know, sort of um, World War II onwards, um, you know, food was scarce. There wasn't the amount of food we have now, there certainly wasn't the processed food we have now. And I think, you know, if you sort of, you know, the correlation between health and nutrition, I would be confident to say, you know, that coming out of World War Two and sort of um, uh, people, you know, refeeding themselves, um, they would probably be considered quite healthy. I don't think there were as many, well, there certainly weren't as many overweight and obese people walking around as there are now. Um, they didn't have the processed food, you know. Just think There's about not, what was I mean, available. They did, they did start already because there was things like spam. That's true. That was a real kind of World War. I think that was what goes back to World War One. Yeah, spam. yeah. But they used to eat it in the trenches, um, and so there was there was some processed food. Obviously, it's not on the same level, I and mean, they yeah, have the same. Especially kind of the technology. I mean, nowadays we the amount of yeah uh, processed foods from you know vegan meats to you know yeah and also consider um the amount of ingredients that are going into um anything that's shelved you know to keep things nice and fresh preservatives etc so you know if our grandparents were baking whether it was bread or cakes they had to just be consumed quite quickly in order to stay fresh and i just think there's so much less available um you know to them yes 100 Um, supermarkets would have been much less and the amount of choice yeah. that we have even if it's just you want to buy a loaf of bread there are loads you know, there is there is tons um the, the the other thing is that they 
almost caused quite a few problems for the next generation because food was so scarce. When they started being able to feed their families, you know, when you have when the idea of, you know, finishing your plate, that certainly comes from our grandparents' generation. Absolutely. You would never want to throw away. There would have been no food waste. Exactly. Because um, it would have felt, you know, criminal. Yeah. And you'd make things with everything from the peelings of, you know, and actually um, Danny, my other half, he's really good at using every piece of whatever is in the fridge and even down to the peelings he'll you know put them in the air fryer and but also the difference um, and this is something that we've obviously very much noticed with people we work with is that our grandparents uh, especially our grandmothers um, unfortunately it was very much our grandmothers um would have cooked everything pretty much from scratch and every day okay I mean my grandma was um a was super healthy Uh, she was vegetarian uh, but she was the most amazing cook um, baker she used to do everything from scratch you know they're even like from people nowadays would buy a pie crust and fill it yeah whereas you know she made pastries and you know all sorts of biscuits with her pastries um, I'd make a pie crust would you yeah Um, but that's from a it would probably be cheaper to make a pie crust. And it's actually, I think people overcomplicate things. But I want to ask no, you. No, but it's just, it's just out of, yeah. it's just that you wouldn't have been able to probably buy a pie crust. Yeah. It wasn't even an option. Whereas nowadays, a lot of people would just say, well. Why I'm was she a vegetarian? Was it um, she was from health ethical, reasons or ethical reasons? Ethical. I love that. She was an ethical vegetarian. My grandma, actually, she's one that was a little bit one of her own. Um, and I love it. And she would be so proud of what we do. Yeah. Um, because she was always, first of all, she was very into her health. Um, she was a vegetarian for ethical reasons. She always loved animals, um, but ate so well with it. You mm. know, she like properly cooked herself proper food. I just yeah. remember all the nut roasts and all of that kind of stuff that she always ate. Um she also was a yoga teacher and was taught by the the Iyengar, Mr. Iyengar, who like who basically started off the Iyengar yoga movement. What year was she born? Or how old would she be now? Or she would be now ninety-two. Okay, I think. Okay. Um, she was yeah. So she taught me yoga from a very like. I always used to, you know, go so stay cool. with her on the weekend and we do yoga on her. She's going to become a yeah. yoga teacher. She? Um, she, you know, it was always part of her life. She was, uh, you know, she could stand on her head for, you know, however oh, long. Wonderful. She was amazing. She was a really interesting lady, unfortunately. She passed away too young, um, but not really because of um, well, something that in the end was um, uncontrollable. It wasn't a, you know. She wasn't healthy and she yeah. didn't look after herself. Um, it was an uncontrollable situation. But like I said, she, uh, you know, when I compare her to my other grandma, yeah. my other grandma lived a much more, she was also a very interesting lady, but she had a very um, like normal approach to everything um, in a way that probably our mothers, maybe a bit less. My my mum was a bit more into her, her health and fitness. Um, but she was just more normal in that respect, whereas my grandma was definitely 
other grandma was one of what you know one on her yeah, own it's so interesting my grandparents came out of poland i mean they escaped the war and you know their diets would have looked completely different to someone having lived in yes yeah. of the uk but it's it's interesting to see then how our parents generation have um sort of viewed yeah cooked eaten um you know nutrition um in my house growing up it was we always had three courses there was always a soup um a main course and a dessert and when i say dessert my mum always cut up a melon put out some grapes we've got these dishes these oval dishes that i am sure are in like 90 percent of houses yeah yeah, they're like the avocado well we had the avocado dishes as well but with these like glass oval ones and you know, my mum would put out fruit with little toothpicks in it every single night. It wasn't, it's funny. And um, I guess I do that. I don't always put out fruit, but I try and put soup out if it's cold. And um, But I, from what I understand, because we've got quite different, ex- well, we have similar experiences with our parents' generation, but we have friends whose experience were very different because I guess our parents, they were children of Yeah, say, so my dad survivors. was a child of a survivor. My mum wasn't. So did they reflect that onto you? Was it finish everything on your plate? Because they were told they had to finish everything on their plate. Or um, they so my dad more... never put that much emphasis on it. But my dad was, had zero, and still has. And if you ever listen, dad, I'm sorry, but you know it's true. And everybody around you knows it's true. He has no table manners. Really, this is a test to see if you are listening. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> exactly. No table manners. And my grandfather, his father, was... Um, would have been super, super tough on him uh, growing up in terms of maybe not table manners because clearly <laughs> he had none either because someone there, you know, didn't didn't pass on the buck. Um, but he would have been super strict about finishing your food. Yeah. Um, he had a real thing about things like that. Um, but also interesting of my grandfather, who lived to the ripe age of 98. Amazing. Um, was a very, very physically active man. Yeah, and we're going to talk about this. early 90s, but yes, we will. Uh... We'll talk about this because it's very interesting. But I know I would say that um, growing up already, quite a few of our friends' mums started to work. Um, not masses, certainly nowhere near as many as our generation. So sort of food and food preparation, start, you know, people did start looking for convenience. You yes, know, definitely. about we shortcuts. Have... Go on, what did you Yeah, we used have? to have microwave meals once a week. It's funny, isn't it? Yeah. They were the I mean, ones would... you just pierced holes yeah, in and yeah, put them yeah. in the microwave. Yeah, I mean, I would never give my kids a microwave meal nowadays. Um, it was a once a week thing and it was quite uh, like, like it was almost a treat. Like, ooh, you know, we're going to have a, I don't know, cauliflower cheese. It was yeah. that kind of food. Um, but I guess if 90%, 80% of your week yeah. is good, wholesome food, then it wouldn't have made an enormous amount of difference. Yes, definitely. Um, and also my mum, my mum started working, I think, when I was kind of later on in primary school. And by the time me and my sister were in secondary school coming home, she would leave us a note or my dad would leave us a note saying, you know, we've bought some mints. It's in the fridge stick dinner on and so from you an were early really, age yeah, you were really we were also cooking the family meal um, um which is also you know yeah, quite unheard yeah. of but it made us um, be able to look after ourselves from quite an early age as well um, our meals growing up which is really interesting because I don't think I don't know how I mean I must have been my mum must have been aware about sort of macronutrients but there was always a protein 
there was always a carbohydrate and there was always plenty of veg. So like a standard meal growing up would look quite similar to how my meal looks still. So it would be salmon, a baked potato and broccoli. You know, really, it was always really balanced, um, which is interesting. Um, But was it... Yes. Um, Well, health conscious or sort of weight conscious? I guess so. But I'm just trying to think about their generation as a whole now. You know, and, and were we the oddity or were we in the majority? I'm not sure. Um, I think that most of our friends' mums cooked proper yeah, meals. Yeah, proper meals. If you, look, if you think about everybody. Yeah. Um, and there was... Uh, there was obviously processed food around. There was far less of it. But you know, also, not the variety. Less, there were less takeaway options. Takeaway I mean, was a treat, wasn't it? Takeaway was a massive treat. Yeah. Going out to a restaurant was like a, you know, a birthday treat. Yeah, now our kids are like, can yeah. I get a delivery? <laughs> yeah, our kids are constantly. And it's so accessible. And meeting their friends and going out for yeah. a meal. And they don't even consider that like a luxury. a luxury at all. In fact, Gabe said to me the other day, um, this was his luxury. He was going to Peter and he said to me, but can I get the steak in Luffa? As in, it's an extra four quid, can I get yeah. it? And, um, you know, he appreciated it when I said yes, but the fact that he was going to Peter to to actually yes, eat have, out wouldn't have, he wouldn't have yeah. asked you about, can I go to Peter? It's yeah, more exactly. Like, can I, can I I'm at Peter. Do you mind if I... Uh, yeah. um, so that generation is a whole different ballgame. I mean, in terms of... And we've been discussing this a lot on our um, groups on our age transformation, which if you are new to this or don't know, it's our, um, it's a lifestyle program. You know, the end game is that people want to become healthier and lose weight, but it is a lifestyle program. And, um, you know, we were discussing this with someone yesterday. She said, I'm the only one in the house who's going to eat this way. So I really can't be bothered to cook. And we sort of said, but, but why? Why aren't you feeding your family exactly the same way as you're feeding yourself. Why aren't you giving your family balanced meals? They don't, kids don't need like nuggets and fish fingers and chips just because it feels like kid food or because yeah. it's really, really easy. Um, it can be really quick and easy to make healthy food. It doesn't need to be complicated. That's what we're all about, aren't we? Yes, um, But the whole dealing with or placating Fussy eaters is always a stress on parents, especially with young children. Um, So in some ways, I have sympathy for it. In other ways, I do think that we uh, perpetuate the situation. I know myself, if I would have been a bit firmer when my kids were younger about certain, you know, foods, I also, in the end, couldn't be bothered, gave in and used to make them different food to what I made Yaron and I. But actually, they've come around and they're all relatively easy eaters. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But not everyone has. Because I got to a stage where I was like, right, I have to, like, like, these kids have to start eating proper food. Yeah, so I've always fed my kids proper food and I always had an attitude of, um, sod it, I actually don't care, go to bed hungry. Like no kid, look, we've got one role in life and I use this a lot. We just have to keep our kids alive, right? That's our our number one role. I mean, obviously we have to keep them fed and loved and et cetera. Please don't think I'm neglecting them in any way, shape or form. But sending your kid to bed hungry for one night is not going to make a a big deal. And I was discussing it with with Charlotte about the dogs. Um, 
I've got a dog who often doesn't eat and I literally don't care because he will not starve himself. He will eventually decide he's ready to eat. And in the beginning, when one of my dogs was really, really fussy and I used to get all sorts of food and try it and then she'd go off that and I'd try another food and she'd be like that for five minutes. And then I one day I decided I'd had enough and I decided that she was not going to go hungry and I put food out every single day. And eventually she just decided, she realized there was nothing else coming. I was not going to put cheese on her meal anymore. There was nothing else coming and she had to eat it and we've never had a problem since and it feels very similar to the kids yeah this course. is supper i don't care it's it's but also we you know we are the are the creators of these situations yeah. and we're the ones that are in control of food and the kids try and take that control back because it's kind of a way yes. for them to like gain some control by saying right and they can see that it stresses you out yeah you know if you say you're not going to eat you know as a parent you're like oh my god you know my little bubbler's not going to grow yeah. and blah 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 um but if we you know stick to our guns then you know they will come around and but I, I think we're going a little bit off topic because totally. i want to talk about sort of their take on nutrition um and it's very much a tale of two halves and i think it comes it's the same as the exercise isn't it yeah there's like a divide down the middle you've got teenagers now who are i would go as far as say obsessed with health nutrition uh, their physique in an almost unhealthy way um you've got those which are unaware yeah and you've got those who just sort of care like just sort of almost love the processed food the chocolate sweets way too much um and uh, the ones who are into their physiques their aesthetics who are going to the gym to build weights uh, build weights to build muscle it it actually doesn't bother me because i think it's a slightly healthier sort of um, well the the biggest issue with that is the kind of mental side definitely the obsession and the instagram wanting to look like a certain person um which a body image has always been an issue especially whilst we were growing up yeah you know that from our heroin chic uh podcast um last week two weeks ago um but that was always more obvious in in girls what we're seeing now is boys definitely boys wanting to like my son nate he's 14 turning 15 and he has got this big thing about bulking up, I want to get, you know, muscly. Yeah. And then I've written him a training program, a three-day split, and he's definitely, like, you know, sticking to it, loving it, wanting to we focus get, on I mean, we get calls all the time about yep. teenage boys. Yep, working on his calorie intake. Not that we are at all uh, tracking his calories. I would mm-hmm. never, ever, ever tell a child to focus on calories. But he does things like, I want to make a thousand calories smoothie. <laughs> Um, because you know I'm bulking up um but think that that is just you know my brother was into football he would never have been like in the gym doing push-ups but that's the difference between sports and exercises to sort of look better I mean think about when we went on Israel tour I'm looking at the kids now who go on Israel tour and they are like got six packs they want to rip their tops off and when we went the boys in our year they were lovely but they were not you know they were either skinny skinny yep. skinny skinny but no one was no, rocking was, a six pack no. under their t-shirts and no, it was no, there was no but there was no level of awareness about it it was almost nice in terms of yes that. although I feel like as a girl when we went to Israel and saw the fit soldiers we were well <laughs> impressed 
that's true. by some of those physiques. That's true. <laughs> Which, you know, and also the models that we used to see in like more magazines. Yeah. Who were buff, Yeah, that's true. But it wasn't, it was very much for the model, the athlete, um, you know, a soldier. It yeah. wasn't a mainstream, everybody needs to get, or everyone wants to get buff. Do you think that our kids' generation ultimately... I mean, it's actually a stupid question because I think that they're going to be less healthy. And I think as generations go down, I think we're going to see more obesity, less uh, people, less. Well, our um, biggest issues are, first of all, um, obviously, more sedentary lifestyles. People are just moving less, like we were saying before, um, you know, pre-cars or even our grandparents were probably moving more in their everyday um, just by travelling to work. Yeah, you had to carry your shopping from the shop. Yeah. Other way to get shopping. Not everybody drove. My grandma didn't drive. Um, Not everybody had cars. You know, it was a a very different lifestyle. So people were generally in their everyday moving more. Their need was higher. Whereas nowadays, like, we have to make an effort to get 10,000 steps. It's just not yeah. something that comes naturally. You know, all our Transformers can tell you that. Mm-hmm. 10,000 steps would have probably been quite a natural daily occurrence sure, back sure. in the day. Also, the now. majority of, um, there were far less um, career options, let's say, where people were just sitting at desks all day, you know, Think about what our ancestors did. They 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 worked the fields. They were farmers. They were in yeah. They were moving, and and you couldn't get to work any other way. But we're moving into the exercise segment. So before we head straight into that, um, I'm just thinking about you know what hope there is for for our kids and how important it's going to be to educate them correctly. Um, And I think um, you know people always say to us, but why don't they teach this in schools? Um, and, you know, I think the curriculum is slowly changing. I think there's definitely been an effort made to make school dinners healthier, although they're still serving that bloody cake for dessert. They're going to why you have to serve cake for dessert. And if they yeah. don't have cakes, they put out like ultra yogurts, you yeah. know, the really processed, yeah. which, again, if you have it once a week or every so often, it's not yeah. a big deal, but it, they're so available. There's, I know. I don't have understand three. why fruit is just not a, a, a yeah. I just I don't get that. I think that, yes, we should be encouraging balance and we should be encouraging moderation. But I think that, um, you know, it's just un- it's an unnecessary Definitely. to have a, a cake, especially yeah. there are kids out there that are overweight. Yes. And it's just not helping them. No. And also, um, I think the problem with um, these cakes that um, desserts, they're not um, portioned and put on your plate. There are trays of them. And if you decide you want to go back for another wedge, you can have another wedge. And if you want four wedges, you can have four wedges. And even my daughter, Amalia, who loves her food, God bless her, and is on packed lunches, will find a way to get those <laughs> those wedges, no matter what. So, um, you know, it really, is, it really is worrying, isn't it? Yes, um, I agree. But also, I think, and this is, uh, some people might get um, offended by this, but I think the, the rise of, like, veganism is also a major problem because it's not... A, a focus on necessarily the health the health side of things or even the ethical reason no. to be vegan it's it's a lot of it is now um well sustainability yes but that again is something that you know we could be working on so many other things mm-hmm. but actually eating a, a high protein animal diet is has been proven to be so much better and healthier for you then going know, vegan it's and very eating, trendy and um, looking after and, the, the earth. Yes, I you know. know. But eating all that processed, all the Beyond Burgers, if you look at them, 
and the amount ingredients. of ingredients and the amount of fat that comes out of those things. Um, they're, they're, they're just not healthy. It's not a healthy way to eat. Yes, if you're going to eat lentils, and you know you're going to eat really cleanly, and then of course it's super healthy, and you're making not sure healthy. That you're healthy. Making sure that you're getting in all your amino acids. I'm just uh, I'm just looking at our recording, and it says you can only record for thirty minutes, which is really interesting because we're on a web browser rather than our phone. But do not worry, we can stop recording and start a new window. Yes, don't worry, Sha. Um, um, so yeah, so I think that the rise of things like that um, are also going to become a little bit of an issue yeah it's just very trendy isn't it to say you're a vegan um it's interesting it's becoming i feel like the the ground has shifted a little bit and i don't know if that's just because the circles that we mix in and what we look at um is all very much you know protein heavy what um, do you mean which way shifted shifted towards... getting a bit again okay against they do come in waves. It does come in waves. Um, I met someone the other day and, you know, there's this famous expression, how do you know if a veg- if someone's a vegan? And it's the answer is that they tell you because they're so fearfully proud of it. But I met someone the other day that was a very refreshing vegan. She was wearing a top that said vegan, which I thought was very sweet. How do you know a vegan is a vegan? Yeah. <laughs> but she was all vegan. about um, homemade, nutritious food. And you could see in her house there were bottles of... M- when she offered me her mushroom milk and I was just like you know what hands you know yeah, like, yeah, I, I totally but respect that but like I said that is focusing on your health and having a a majority plant-based diet has been proven to be very very healthy because when we're talking about um you know fiber and you know our guts yeah, yeah, um, yeah. and all of that kind of thing um, then obviously having a predominantly plant-based diet is really important. But making sure that you are getting all your amino acids, which we bang about all yeah, about all nine the time. essential amino acids, and you can't get all nine in plant-based protein unless you uh, learn how you to, have combine to mix them, them properly, etc. So, um, so yes, so I think things like that is a, a, a something to worry about. Um, obviously also the rise of the Deliveroo and the Uber Eats and all of those where literally you can get a takeaway within, you know, 10 minutes. Yeah. Um, even the gateers and these like little shops that, you know, can bring you your kind of convenient groceries. So they're not going to bring you your fresh fruit and vegetables, but they can bring you Ice cream. any junk Crisps. food. Exactly. <laughs> which my kids, you know, when their friends order on a Saturday night, when they're in, yeah. you know, one of their houses, they will just get a gateer. Yeah. Um, for all the kind of you know noshy things that they need but like for us growing up for, yes there was tons I mean we ate tons of it was it just wasn't accessible in that same way yeah. I mean we went to the sweet shop every day after school I think because the majority and we of our bought ourselves a chocolate bar or a packet of pickled onions yeah, but that very much falls into the 80 20 um, sort of windows that we always yeah. talk about I think because we were being fed such lovely, nutritious food, the fact that we had, and there weren't like 200 packs of crisps available, there was maybe 10, you know, there wasn't just... The, the, the we used to get the grab bags, when we used to go, Anna and I used to have an English tutor, Mrs. Futterman, yeah. on a Wednesday, yeah. was it a Wednesday? I think it was a Wednesday, Wednesday. Evening, it feels right. Don't tell me what you're going to remember, because I'll we tell you We used to go to the BP, or whatever, yes, the perpetration SO. And we used to get the salt and vinegar walkers grab yeah, bags. The they big were ones. huge. Yeah. But we also used to get um, chocolate, 
um, they were chocolate eggs, but they weren't Cadbury's chocolate yes. eggs. They were filled with some sort of caramelly. Yes, I remember. It must have been like a caramel thing. Like Can you imagine Charlotte and myself at the tutor? She was, she she got on with her work, and we just giggled a lot. It was. Um, oh gosh, yeah. she, she got us some good English. Really good English. Thank you, Mrs. Um, great. I'm awesome. gonna. I think we're gonna just pause this and then restart. So okay. I, we'll be back. Hopefully, you won't have heard the slight pause. Yeah. Um, we're back. We're back. Um, what I wanted to talk about with our kids and, and what really worries me most is actually um, the lack of self-awareness when people are talking about diets, um, losing weight, body image around their own kids, children. And I mean yes. everywhere from young children to teenagers. That very much comes from our parents' generation, I think. I, think that, I, I still think that um, I actually think it's still very much <laughs> prevalent. And I'll tell you... Um, uh, that in a second but with our parents yeah it was like very obvious no when parents were dieting um they spoke about it a lot yeah. they put it on us a lot they tried all different things what do you think yeah I just I don't think to the same extent as as now so what I hear now and I have got um one client whose daughter goes to a school and she's in year she six so she goes to a school I don't want to say any mom's any um, of schools because I don't want to you know put any blame on anything um but it clearly comes from the mothers of these kids at this school yeah. where there are kids that will say that they're not going to eat carbs with <coughs> their lunch because they had cocoa pops for breakfast yeah so they were allowed to have cocoa pops but their mum had told them that they shouldn't be then eating with their lunch so if you can have the cocoa pops or now, first of all, um, I'm I, uh, just going for the uh, anti-sugary cereal approach. Like, Cocoa Pops shouldn't really be on the menu every morning for breakfast. I, I wonder, sorry, uh, sorry to interrupt. I wonder how much of that was prescribed and told. Um, obviously, it's not you're not hearing it from the child, but I wonder if the mum said, you can't have carbs, yeah, yeah, or or if it's that the, the kids taking her it mom. exactly. Yeah, 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 100%. Heard, it her mum to other but then people. Can you imagine girls in year it's six? Awful. So this is like 10, so 11 year old girls deciding that they shouldn't have certain things with their lunch. Food groups. Because, yes, because they had, um, of, of course, it must be yeah. from the mums um, in some way or another, yeah, whether the yeah. mums have told them that. Yeah, no, no, no. That's what um, I was just trying or, to. Or I don't know, but. I, I get really upset when um, when people want to discuss nutrition and dieting with me in front of my kids or in front of their kids. And I often say to them, this isn't the the time to talk about yeah. it. And they go, oh, because, you know, you must, you know, people are constantly always talking to you about this. And I say, actually, no, I'm passionate about this subject. Yeah, I love no talking. talking about it. I just don't just... want to talk about it in front of my kids because I'm trying to bring my kids up in a way that they feel you know that the food is nutrition and it's balanced and you know it's 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 really really it's difficult and I watch so many people talk completely unguarded with their kids around and it just it really worries me about this next uh, generation um whether they're going to go one of two ways yeah you know you you're too careful you let your kids eat whatever they want you make it all available to them and they really go for it or you restrict you talk about well, it and they it end up with just, an eating disorder I think that we have to be um the role model essentially you know my kids see that I'm very focused on protein 
And for them, they know that I would um, save maybe not have certain things with dinner because I'm going to then eat a big bowl of yogurt for dessert Mm, because I'm trying to hit my protein target. And my kids understand that the way I eat is, is I very much talk about it from a, I'm, you know, trying to be as strong as I can be. Protein is, you know, the absolute macronutrient that I really focus on. And so, you know, it's all about the protein. And so my kids know the whole time that, you know, if I'm, if they're going to eat something, that there's got to be some kind of protein in their, you know, in their meal and, and all of that kind of thing. But I really try not to also talk about weight loss, focus on, you know, calories or focus on protein. The sort of real... Yes, and it is, in a way, it is disordered, maybe. Um, uh, But... I try my best to just be as quiet as possible. I don't, I don't, I just feel like I have to explain myself to my kids why I'm having something different if I am having something different. But again, it's why. But we, do, do they not question that? What, why I want something different? They know, like last night, we were using up leftovers and I'd taken out the freezer, some sort of casserole. How do you get away with that? Because well, I, just my, wasn't I made my kids <laughs> yeah, wasn't eat enough. something that they wouldn't necessarily want to eat. Yeah. I didn't eat it myself. Yeah. This always reminds but me that's why I always cook for my kids in ways that I want to eat. I know, but you so don't rare, always. Well, rarely is something different. Rarely, rarely, rarely. So on Monday night, I, I told you I'd put a whole roast chicken in. Um, they had it with, what did they have? Gift serve it with broccoli. I think they had some rice. I just chucked it on a salad. So is that considered completely different? I'm not sure. I also had the broccoli and I just padded it out with salad because I want to feel really full. I don't know, but I think it's really important that what people understand is, again, about the ACE transform, is we call it the ACE lifestyles, because we don't, you know, we talk about calorie deficit, and you do have to be in a calorie deficit to lose weight, but the idea is, is that you eat like this for life. This is not a fad. This is not for a period of time. We change the way we introduce new habits. We change the way we look and we feel about food, and that's why it's so important to change our mindset and to get out of this good, bad, uh, good food, bad food. Why we have to, why we have to be mindful. Why we have to cook good, nutritious food, and it doesn't need to be lengthy and time-consuming. It can just be, um, you know we're happy to to take shortcuts um but i really think it's important that not only we feed ourselves like this we feed our kids like this and there's no real differentiation and and look within our kids you'll always get one who prefers this over this and one and that's why i always like to give a few options and not options in terms of main but let's say i'm making i'll chuck in the air fryer some brussels sprouts and broccoli i know that one kid prefers broccoli and one kid don't care they're having vegetables but um you know, it is worrying. It really is worrying. Um, I'm worried for their generation. Yes. But if they are, and again, this could be a disordered way of looking at things, but if they are a bit more focused on exercise, you know, in our day when we were their age, I did yoga with my grandma because that was something she did and yeah, it looked fun. But we weren't. Did anyone go to the gym? I'm trying to remember. We weren't squatting and lunging. We were doing exercise videos. Yes, we were speaking about them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So we were doing things like Jane Fonda, hips, buttocks, and thighs. Do you remember those those leotards? Yeah, um, in our friend's loft. 
and she had older sisters and so she was quite influenced by them. I don't remember that but I know um, who you're talking about. But yes we definitely did those kinds of things but it was much more like aerobics and wearing leotards and leg warmers. It was more about the look and the then. And sports. You know we were on the netball team. Um, a few people played football, but it was netball. Girls didn't really play no, football. No, netball. We played um, cricket. Cricket in around school, us. We played, I was a cricket player. Um, but but yes. I think we should, I think that's a really good um, segue. Let's talk about um, exercise. So we've got sort of movement and exercise, essentially. Yeah. And we were talking before about how, um, you know, if you were working the land, it didn't actually matter so much how you ate because you were so physical and I'm not suggesting that you can out eat a bad diet yeah, yeah. And, and you know you I feel constantly yeah. on your feet all day yeah physically you know um yeah lifting heavy and etc and constantly burning energy yeah then you could really you eat. to eat exactly um, and um we were just there. reading a an article about how in the sort of um, I guess, 40s and 50s when people stopped necessarily working the land and started getting office well, a bit more. The, um, well, the 40s and 50s were when there was a correlation mm. between exercise and cardiovascular health. That's when what, it, it was, started becoming... Yeah, um, well, well, we were... It started becoming um, a thing that actually if you exercised, it was good for your health. Um and so really it was the 1940s, 50s that people started exercising for their health. But we were kind of also looking back as interested just to see in terms of, you know, athletes, because people have been athletes. Yeah. You know, we, so had the, we had the ancient Greek Olympians in, what was it, 164 BC, who were, you know, these unbelievably strong, amazing um, athletes already in those days, obviously. So there will always have been people that were kind of um, held up as strong, physically more um, able. Yeah, but again, these were almost their careers. They were athletes. They weren't weren't exercising. But what I was going to say before is in the 40s and 50s is when people stopped necessarily doing such um, rigorous um, work and started taking desk jobs is when they didn't know to change their diet and they carried on eating exactly the same way as they were when they were working their lands. And then they started dying of heart attacks because they were eating greasy, high fat foods um, and they ended up with cardiovascular disease. Um, And I think, you know, like you said, is when people started to be able to put two and two together and say, hold on a minute, perhaps we need to be moving more or change our diet or a combination of both, which is obviously the, the ideal um, but, you know, just the idea of squatting, you know, squatting is something you would do naturally in the in the fields. Yeah. You know, you had it's women on their back, movement. you know, you had, you had women carrying their babies on their back, carrying water. Um, but that would have come from the No, not what, no, eventually. <laughs> I'm not talking about the actual... <laughs> The actual movement of the squat. Yeah. I'm talking about yeah. actually knowing that a squat will help build help in, and, Exactly. Yeah. That would have come from the yeah. bodybuilding world and would have like filtered down yeah. into the more mainstream exercise. But I remember... But it was the 1980s yeah. where... I was going to say, I remember your mum used to have a gym membership. Didn't so she my mum, again, because because I think a lot to do with my grandma, and, you know, for my mum, exercise was always actually part of her. And... 
even before she was going to the Virgin, or it wasn't, was it Virgin? Whatever it was, the bottom of our road. It was Holmes Place when yes. it first opened. Yeah. Um, she was one of the first people to get a membership there. And she was like, you know, four or five times a week at the gym. Um, but before that, you know, when we were little, my dad used to make fun of her that she had thighs like Garincha. Garincha <laughs> was a football player who had big thighs. Yeah. And he always used to make fun because my mum was going to Nautilus gyms and like bodybuilding with Eastern European men. I just think that's the most wonderful thing ever. And Does she, she have any idea about protein? I don't remember. And I don't even think she even knew that she was like bodybuilding. She just loved going to the gym. Like she she loved it. Um, she wanted to, I think it was for her, it was also a mental health thing. A lot of self, it would have taken a lot of confidence um, to walk in. But yeah, she was going to like some funny little gym in Sentinel Square. She was going regularly. And then when more of a mainstream gym opened up locally, she was the first to get her membership. It's amazing because, you know, we talk about how, um, you know, standing in the weight section of the gym can be quite intimidating. So I'm just trying to imagine thinking back yeah, her yeah. walking not into just the weight section. Yeah, yeah but like a real like, hardcore yeah grimy yeah it's very impressive my mum my mum's friends I don't have any recollection of them exercising ever um she started walking later in life when um she was told she was you know starting to have a bit of osteoporosis osteopenia um but I have no recollection of her or any of her friends exercising but perhaps they were busy doing exercise videos yeah. behind closed doors no I got I we had an exercise bike it was always in front of my mum my parents did she, tv did she use it no no one used it doors? but I remember as a teenager watching neighbors in their bedroom and going on the bike right. so I must have been conscious yeah. but it would have been from a no way would I have done that from a health perspective it would have been from a I'm trying to lose weight perspective right which is obviously, as we know. Yeah. Well, going back to my grandpa who lived to 98, he was always uh, physically active. So when he he survived concentration camps, moved here, and him and his brothers had like a um, uh, fabrics yeah. business. And so they were always schlepping, always had lifting heavy rolls. And so he was always physically strong. Yeah. Um, but he also was very into walking up until... He got into his, I don't know, late 80s when his knees started giving way. Um, he walked and he walked and he walked. And he was so strong and Amazing. so fit. Look, it's the ultimate barbell, isn't it? Yeah. A big roll of fabric. Yeah. So he, he also was. I always think about him because obviously if you live <laughs> to your late 90s yeah. um, and still be you know, pretty strong. I mean, the last six to eight years weren't so great for him. But up until that, mm. he was really, really in a fantastic place. Um, so he's, he's an example of someone that's managed to keep up throughout. Yeah. Um, so let's talk about our generation. So as you guys know, we are in midlife, I would say. We are in, in, yes. our, in yes. our very, very early 40s, but we're in our 40s. And I'm just thinking about our friends and everyone we know, and we have taught classes in the community and we really have a really good feel. And I would say a huge proportion of women exercise and men. Do you think less men? More men do things like cycling and um, running. Yes, well, that's exercise. Not yeah, no, 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 I'm just thinking. Um, um, I mean, the young one has always played football, always. 
you know, isn't that well, amazing? Like he isn't plays sometimes three times a week, and then goes for runs. That's when boys are. Uh, but that's you know that is uh, yes you know you're lucky to have something that you love to do. Yeah. And he loves it and it's fun and it's banter and he's got all his football mates and etc. Do you do you think, and I like I said, the majority of our friends have either a gym membership, go to classes, run, um, do some sorts. Do you think it's from a health perspective, from a weight perspective? I think it's however much we say, um, you know, really try and separate weight loss and exercise, people don't. I think that the first reason people often I, I'm not talking about sports. So sports are something that yeah. people love and are passionate about and they're lucky to have it. Um, and that creates a natural fitness. Well, mm. not natural, but, you know, yeah. um, it's not something they, they have to contrive. But I think that the majority of people that we know who start off exercising, start off exercising in their heads, probably for a weight loss mm. reason, maybe because they've got parents who have got heart disease or how I've had you know health issues and they've seen that and mm-hmm. they want to um, they've yeah. been told that exercise will help and so they start exercising yeah. but I think if you really if we polled the majority of women and said be honest <laughs> most women probably start exercising for weight either maintenance yeah. or weight loss yeah. and then they get hooked because they love it they're high from it um how it's changed their bodies um you know feeling of of getting stronger of of also that being me time you know I go to the gym and I switch off from an hour from my family and everybody accepts that if you're going to the gym you know that's looking after yourself like really you know looking after yourself um, you know your health you know you're investing in your future so if the reason people the hook that gets people in is weight loss but in the end as long as it doesn't become this obsessive I have to out eat what I've just eaten. Yeah. yeah, I have to, you know, burn a certain amount of calories I, every. You know, I'm, I'm always conscious of this every month when we promote Ace Transform, um, that we put on our Instagram the weight losses, and in fact, we could share them today as well because they've been some great weight losses. Um, and you know, we're busy telling you Ace Transform is a lifestyle; it's not just a diet, and really, that's the truth. But we need a way to, like you say, hook people get to real people yeah. in and we sort of have to manipulate the situation and say look this is all the weight people have lost whilst on ace transform but also whilst you're on ace transform you're going to improve your lifestyle you're going to become healthier you're going to incorporate new habits into your life and it's quite a tricky balance for us to uh, it's a very tricky balance yeah. um but what we hope is that what we give people um, we actually, when it comes to the actual program, yeah. the weight loss isn't such a focus. Yeah, For us, it's not. about helping people change behavior. <laughs> yeah, and mindset. Um, and mindset. And actually try and take people out of that all or nothing approach. Yeah, and diet culture. And try and, and talk a lot more about moderation and not being too restrictive, etc. So yeah. um, I hope that... <laughs> If you have been listening to our podcast, (laughs) Uh, we should finish this soon anyway. I'm just going to pause this while Charlotte gets the door. We're back. This has taken, I just just became very aware of how long we've been chatting for. And um, if you know Charlotte and myself, you know, we can just keep on chatting. so we just we were just going to finish off. We need to wrap up now. Yes, obviously, we're going on, the um, and we don't want to bore anyone. 
Um, but we wanted to talk quickly teenagers. about teenagers and, and exercise and, and exercise. And uh, we were just saying how um, you know if if they don't play sports, yeah, um, then often they stop exercising from a very young age. Um, which is obviously why we well, that's started, why we started teenagers, teenagers yeah. for girls because boys often carry on with football because they have their football league uh, throughout the year um, and that means that they have football training uh, you know at least once a week so at least they're doing something twice a week yeah whereas girls um, often if they're not into netball or gymnastics or yeah, they swimmers stop. Um, they do stop doing any kind of exercise yeah. But I was going to say, what I really like is because our generation is exercising, we're so aware that our kids should be exercising. And it's so, it's just seen. But again, it's, it's role models. Isn't totally. It? You know, like models. our kids see us exercising, each of us. Yeah, Ron also does, you know, three or four times a week each. Um, they see that it's important for, not, and for them, it is nothing to do with, you know, my daughter doesn't exercise to lose weight. She exercises. Well, I think I, I she's don't think, probably a rarity because I think I think she still sees girls. it as just doesn't like feeling very unfit, and so she wants to feel fitter. I don't know. I think it's, Do you still, think it's yeah, still yeah, and especially boys. You know, I think it's completely aesthetic. Boys I don't is think... aesthetic. They want to build. But for girls, it's you know, it's constantly. I I, I, I work with these teenagers all the time, and they they look at their stomachs and they want six packs, and they they really are trying yeah. to change something. But what I was going to say, what I love, which is you know, Amalia again, she's she's nine, and she just knows that exercise is a part of her life, and she'll do things like, "Hey, mummy, pick me up and squat with me." You know, the fact that she knows what a squat yeah. is, I wouldn't have known what a squat was when I was nine, living in a house where no one squatted. Yeah. You know, and I just I think that's the most wonderful thing. Well, my kids, and I'm obviously very privileged to have a studio in my house they'll walk past my studio which is just next to our main yeah. living space and um you know do a pull up or two and then carry on on that you know way and I just think that's so cool that that's what they are yeah. you know being seen but it's a massive massive problem um obviously um eating disorders um body image, body image instagram tiktok but, um, but 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 and just going back again to you know the 90s you know the the focus on looking strong um is so much of a better um mentally yeah. aesthetic yeah um than looking super skinny and yeah. having and, and aiming for a thigh gap. Yeah. You know, like having a little bit of a bottom. There's, there are benefits. So even if you are doing it for aesthetic purposes, there are benefits. It will improve your health. Yeah, Whereas... so for kids nowadays to be able to lay down muscle. Yeah, you know, at a young age in their teenage years, oh, teenage muscle, me- muscle yeah. memory that they will have going forward, they will always be able to easily get that muscle back. Well, I don't know about. I mean, you could have a whole discussion about muscle memory and whether it exists or not. But what I was going to say was, they have surges of um, hormones, testosterone, massive surges, and testosterone is what you know bodybuilders take to build muscle. And these teenagers have got it in abundance. You know, the more they grunt at you, the more they. Uh, you know, in their bedroom, so the more testosterone they have. Yeah, definitely. And I, and when you see adults who are naturally um, not lean but have a good muscle mass, and they say, "I don't know, I never worked out," they are the ones who always were very sporty, very athletic, um, and they seem to be able to keep their physiques um, because, like you said, they were yeah, laid down at that age that muscle, with loads of I, I testosterone. Think muscle memory has something to do with that. I know people that can stop for a year I know, on, but look, look at it's, it's, and then start um 
building again and, and within at... a few weeks things are you know noticeable whereas compared to someone who was starting from scratch it would take I know but I just think the term more. muscle memory I think lots of people would dismiss that quite quickly but there's clearly something going on and it's whether it's um your um your your fibers your muscle fibers themselves at the stage in which you built muscle I don't know but um it's interesting isn't it and I guess you know overall you know talking about nutrition educating your kids great don't talk about diets don't talk about weight loss and, and let it be balanced let them have a little bit of everything that they love as well yeah. don't don't take away all the good stuff but again with so the... that they they crave it or they binge it when they're with their friends or when they go to a birthday yeah. party you know it should always be you know somewhere within the diet whether yeah. it's just at the weekends in your house or whatever it is there should always be a kind of you know a a show of moderation yeah and again with the exercise you know encourage them to exercise encourage them to move for their health um but don't make it about you know oh you've eaten too much you should exercise or you need to lose weight you should exercise make it about you know health about being strong about being able to you know live better um, and live for longer and I think it's really really important that the right messages are getting across and I think that we us as parents as adults are massive massive role models and before you say anything you know think about the impact it has on kids you know often we hear about people who say it was this one comment someone made to me and I'm not just referring to exercise or fitness I'm talking also about you know um, someone told me the other day about their son and they had one teacher who believed in them and said this one comment and you know really gave him the confidence to believe in himself and you know what we say is so impactful and I think that you know probably that's the message take home message you know we we want them is it raining again yes here we go um um anyway yes be a role model be a role model for your kids in in every way um and if you have found this yes interesting um if you haven't been too bored for us and you've met by us and managed to listen till the end (laughs) it means you've got at least six thousand steps (laughs) Um, but please do like review subscribe share with your friends tell the world about us please 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 we are trying to build a brand not just because we want to make money and we do but because we are passionate we want to help people we want to change lifestyles um, lives so please 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 share like review go visit us on ace.transform you'll even see some very funny reels and other content um and that's it Thank you very much. And sorry it was so long. Have a good day. Bye.